You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we are reviewing the first two episodes of the new Star Wars series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obviously, this has been something that we've been looking forward to for a very, very long time. And uh, we're happy to say hello there as we start this episode and uh, talk a little bit about our thoughts for the first two episodes. So do you want to say anything before we sort of dive into uh, what we're going to talk about? Hello there. Always on the move. (laughs) Yep, some classic lines from Obi-Wan Kenobi. And- I also have the high ground, Noah. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, but uh, yeah, we just wanted to sort of, we finished the episodes. You watched on Friday, right? I did, yes. And I watched both yesterday. Have you seen it multiple times or just a couple or just once? Just once. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Uh, I watched through it once myself. All my friends have seen it. Uh, and uh, there's a lot to be discussed. So without further ado, we can go into it. Oh, Noah, can I say one more thing? Sure. Uh, you were supposed to bring balance to the force. You were my brother. <laughs> oh, you're my son. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's more like it. I'm, I'm uh, just going to, you know, like, intersperse uh, Star Wars quotes throughout this episode. Good job. Anyway. Ah, nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, for those who are hopefully listening and are Star Wars fans and understand some of those references, we have not lost our minds. Liberally throwing around, um, we were excited uh, to finally get the show on May 27th. It was delayed, I think, uh, for a long time, and they dropped two episodes, which is really great. It stars Ewan McGregor once again in his uh, titular role as Obi Wan Kenobi. It has Moses Ingram as the third sister, uh, Reva. As Joel Edgerton, as uh, what, Owen Lars? Owen Lars. Who is looking after Luke Skywalker. And um, there's even a fun little cameo, uh, which we'll go into spoilers and talk mm-hmm. about uh, later on. But there's not way too many characters uh, in this. They're keeping it very small, which I appreciate. Um, and uh, I want to know what you thought of it, because this has been a long time coming. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this, and I will just summarize it by saying I was very pleasantly pleased by what I saw. I will tell you that I think um, the second episode was particularly good. I think there's some really strong casting. I think fundamentally what I would say is uh, Ewan McGregor is simply phenomenal as Obi-Wan Kenobi. He is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And for me, now that's different for you, because remember, for me, Obi-Wan is Alec Guinness. Sure. Because that's who played Obi-Wan. But I am here to tell you, Ewan McGregor was born to play this role. And it is such a delight to have him back in this role. Because every time he's on screen, and every time he opens his mouth, it it makes the the show that much stronger. Absolutely. And, you know, with the sequel... Uh, series of course we got some of the old characters but it felt more like fan service than a necessity for them to be there i appreciated that there was fan service here but it did feel like it was in the vein of the prequels as well it didn't feel like disney was trying to put their own take on star wars per se it felt like this is something that could have released five years after revenge of the sith or maybe even 10 years after it felt like there was more of a necessity for it to be here Um, another 
uh, yeah. let me just interrupt by saying the recap. I thought it was kind of amusing to to have a recap uh, at the very beginning of episode one, meaning episode one of Obi Wan Kenobi. But I I fell for it because I thought, well, let me see what it is, and all it is is a summary of episodes one, two, and three. And that really drew me in even more so than mm-hmm. I think otherwise. I mean, I knew going into this, the time frame of this, and that's the thing with these Star Wars things. There's so many now. You have to figure out where are we in the timeline of things. Yeah, sure. And although I knew it going into it, it was quite a delight to see all those scenes from episodes one, two, and three, in spite of the fact that episodes one and two are not the strongest of the films. But it was, you know, when they're on Mustafar and it's, I have the high ground, you were supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so fantastic. Well, I think collective, individually, uh, some of the prequel films don't seem as good, you know, with Attack of the Clones. I think that's a general sentiment. But when you really just kind of make a cut like they did with what you're talking about there, the little recap, it just goes to show how special those things are when you're a Star Wars fan. I mean, you know, I knew every Glad single feel scene, that way. what they were talking about, like each line. I was reliving something I was intensely familiar with, but it was just great to have that be a buildup again. It was a delight. I loved it. Absolutely. So um, for my own thoughts, I felt like the show definitely met expectations. I wouldn't say it went way above what I had, but I agree it would be hard for me to dislike this. And I felt like they did a really good job of just caring for the character. I think they've taken a lot of good feedback over the course of the last, what, seven years since they started making uh, new original Star Wars programming. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, I was very pleased, like you said. I, I think Ewan McGregor is fantastic in the role. And I really like a lot of the new characters as well. I'm interested to see where this goes, even if it's just a miniseries. But um, I read something somewhere, I watched an interview where Ewan McGregor said it had been so long since he had played the role of Obi-Wan, he had to sort of remember the tonality of the voice yes. and how to speak as I, Obi-Wan. I read that too, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it seems like he's just right back where he was before. And I, uh, I also want to bring up a point when we get to spoilers, because I'm not sure this is, it's probably more spoilery. Um, I want to get to that uh, conversation about his age when we get to spoilers, because there's a lot of reference to his age. I was thinking yeah. about that too. I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, cool. I mean, did you like some of the new characters? Uh, I did. Well, I let's did. not talk about who's in it just in case anybody is still planning to watch it. Right. You know, right? Yeah. I mean, I thought some of them were, I, I will say that overall it, it certainly has, I hate to say this, but I did feel like it was Disney-fied. Um, all of it's going to be to an right. Extent. I mean, all of it is. There's just something a little bit. I don't want to call it forced, but maybe it's a little slick, a little polished. It's a little too polished, comparatively speaking, compared to the episodes four, five, and six, the originals. But I would say to you, this really met my expectations, especially episode two, once we got things going. I know episode one was important to sort of set the stage and give Mm -hmm. us some context. And it was very valuable. And I appreciated what we saw. Um, But it got moving in episode two. And boy, was I glad they dropped both episodes at the same time. Same here, because I feel like if we just got the very first episode, I would have been thinking, okay, it's a treat to have this back, but need a little bit more than that. Uh And, And they obviously knew that too. Otherwise, they would not have dropped them both at the same time. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, but we can talk a little bit more about how it might be Disney-fied or a couple uh, different questions we had on our mind and maybe some things that we really liked and uh, some that we disliked as we go into it. 
So overall, you liked it. You thought it met expectations. You were appreciative to see Obi-Wan or Ewan McGregor back in uh, his best role ever. And uh, I agree. Uh, it's, it's the same thing for me. It met Good. expectations. If you're a Star Wars fan, you'd be hard pressed not to enjoy this. Uh, I mean, I had a smile on my face the entire time, totally captivated. It's just, it's just nice to have this back. It's you know? really nice to have this back. I, I, there's a part of me that, that is disappointed that it's only going to be six episodes. Yeah. But based on what we are seeing, I'm not sure I would want to see more than six episodes. And we can talk about that when we get to spoiler territory as well. Yes. All right. So speaking of that territory, let's dive right into it now that you know our general high-level thoughts. If you have not watched the first two episodes, go and do that immediately and then come back and listen to the podcast. But otherwise, if you have, listen on with us because we're going straight into spoilers. So um, you were talking about the age and the reference to the age of Obi-Wan. And it's something that I also sort of uh, pondered as I was watching the first episode because Sir Alec Guinness was nearly in his 70s or perhaps oh, in his 70s. In his 70s, I think so, yeah. When he originally portrayed uh, Obi-Wan. And this is 10 years after uh, episode three. And then Luke is about 17 or 18, I believe, when he finally goes off, which means there's about seven or eight years left for Obi-Wan to look like Sir Alec Guinness, perhaps. But he's got a full head of hair. He's got got a bit of a bushier beard. Um, And, you know, he obviously, obviously, it's a different actor and whatnot. But uh, what what was your, what were your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I I thought that... um... I guess my the reason I wanted to talk about it was because how do I do this? What you get, of course, is a story of Obi Wan sort of in the shadows, right? Because his job is to watch over Luke and make sure that Luke learns the Force um, when it's time, right? Okay, yes. they're on Tatooine, but we also know Luke has a twin sister whose name is Leia. Mm-hmm. And Leia is taken by Bail Organa and his wife, and they live on another planet. And she, her life is one of privilege, right? So she's a princess, even as a child. Can I cut in just for a second there? Yeah. That, that has always been just so unintentionally funny to me that when they get split up, they're like, okay, Luke, <laughs> uh, Leia, you're going to Alderaan to be, you know, the, a princess right. and a, a, the daughter of uh, the S- Senator Organa. And Luke... You may live in squalor on a moisture farm and uh, be, baking, be, be baking under the two sons of Tatooine for an indefinite period of time. I just think that's so I just think that's so funny. It's like, okay. So let me ask you this before we get back to the age piece. What did you think of the, of the actor who plays young Leia? I had extremely divided thoughts on it. I, I think on the... Would. I think on the one hand, I appreciated how they sort of expanded on the roguish type that she was, because clearly in the original uh, trilogy, she can handle herself. You know, she's not just a princess that Han Solo thought she was. She, you know, she gets captured in episode four and whatnot, but she's an integral part of the rebellion and she eventually becomes the general. So she's more than just smiling and waving. As you can see, the kid wants more than that. She's adventurous. There's obviously something more to her than just the flash of uh, the political uh, family life. But on the other hand, I like that she was clever and she had some snappy dialogue, but 
man, was it hard to believe that a 10 year old would think like that sometimes, you know, Obi-Wan said the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. He said, how old are you? Which he, he knew by the way. Right. Of course. But his point was, is she's wise beyond her years. I thought at first she was wildly precocious and I thought, oof, this is kind of obnoxious. But then I thought exactly what you just described was the case. I mean, we, we know Princess Leia, who we meet in episode four, A New Hope, is very capable of, of um, she's an independent person, right? Absolutely. Marked. And so that's what we're seeing, even as a 10-year-old, Leia just sort of being wise beyond her years, mm-hmm. savvy, brave, um, and assertive. And, and that's really the Leia that we get to know when we first discover Star, uh, Star Wars in episode four. So I, I was totally bought in. And the longer she was in it, uh, the more independent, the more the more she demonstrated all the characteristics we know of Princess Leia. Yes. The more I was totally bought in, and I thought they've they've chosen well with this this uh, actors. I liked the angle too because oh. I you know I remember when I was ten years old. It's just it's hard it's hard to be a convincing actor or you know memorize all your lines and especially being on the forefront of one of the most. Uh, profitable media franchises in the entire world you really got to be something in order to um, you know be on the world stage like that and I thought she did quite an admirable job there I think there was some times when she annoyed me and some parts where I was just like yeah I actually really like how we're getting a little bit more of a backstory on what she was like before we saw her as Princess Leia in um, episode four I I knew you would think she was a little bit a lot if that makes sense. Sure, sure. But you know what I think it is? It's what? just like Grogu. And like, I just, I don't necessarily love when they're dealing with like kids or like, you know, cute little babies all the time. It's just like, that's where I feel like it gets really Disney fine. Yes, I agree. So and I mean, it's necessary for sure. And what about her? What about her, her contraption? I've forgotten what it's called. Um, which is clearly their effort at creating a marketable toy for yeah the, i was wondering it's, it's got a name but much more diminishing returns uh, there's grogu it's not fuzzy and cute right it's it's, it's not bb8 it's right? not yeah it's not uh, baby yoda but um i, I don't know I, I think they're just trying to make it just like a cute little dynamic between them two yeah but regardless I thought it was interesting that cameo by Flea, the bassist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I remember texting my buddy, um, <laughs> I did not just watch Princess Leia get captured by Flea. <laughs> and, um, you know, in another interesting turn in the Disney Star Wars universe, some musician or actor or some celebrity figure you'd never expect to be in the series makes an appearance. So right. we can now officially say that flea is canon um but yeah he didn't yeah he didn't last he didn't last very long obviously but um Uh, but another back to the age thing real quick yeah yeah, so now that we've talked about leia being you know sort of a assertive smart uh resilient 10 year old Mm -hmm. you know uh, she so obi-wan says you know going forward we're going to tell them you're my daughter. And she says, more like grandfather. And I thought, <laughs> really? Because now, Obi-Wan, uh, Ewan McGregor is 53, 52 years old at this point, 51 years old. Well, so, when you're 10, right, you everybody, anybody over 30. There's that, ancient, yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah, but I thought, um, yeah, no, he's got a ways to go before he's really more like, you know, Alec Guinness. But all of that is... All that said, I just thought it was a it was a fun dynamic between them. Yeah, can I also say that Ewan McGregor has aged exceptionally well? I yeah, mean, yeah, good for him. Uh, that's what money and time will do for you, and a lot of sleep and 
Yeah, that's true. I suppose his lifestyle is uh, a little bit different than ours. Um, but re- but regardless, um, yeah, I want to go into some of the newer characters. So uh, Reva, who is part of the Inquisitors, obviously the Inquisitors are the third uh, sister. Yeah, she's the third sister, and the Inquisitors are former Jedi who now hunt down Jedi, uh, the last of the remaining ones for the Empire. There's a Grand Inquisitor who's clearly the leader, and uh, there's three others, and I don't think they showed the fourth one until the second episode, but that's immaterial. Reva is interesting. She's a loose cannon, and I really, really like how ruthless she is. I mean, when she cut off that random uh, bystander's hand for yeah. no reason, I I really like it when Sith aren't as cold and calculating, because it shows just how corrupting the power of the dark side is just like Anakin right you know he was doing irrational things he was doing he was very brash very impulsive and I think that just goes to show how much unbridled power you can have and your anger but it ultimately can be lead to your downfall so I thought that was really cool that she was portrayed as this ruthless cunning just obsessive um over Obi-Wan type of figure she's been hunting him down for a long time and I I liked her character what do you think I thought she was over the top and unnecessarily um, uh, aggressive. And when I say that, we don't quite yet know why she has the feeling she has toward Obi-Wan. So I got to give her a pass on that. She's an interesting character, and I think it's necessary because we need the bad person, right? We need the evil. Um, and, yeah. and frankly, the other Inquisitors are really on a mission just to find Jedi. They're not, they don't have a, a vendetta necessarily against Obi-Wan, whereas... Right. The third sister does so I, I, there's more to learn there yeah um i've heard similar sentiments to you that she's a bit over the top but i think that's more of a writer's problem you know when obi-wan is escaping off of the cargo ship mm-hmm. and you think the scene's going to end and she's just standing there yelling at him and making this monologue promise about you know she's going to find him I don't really think that's the actor's fault. I think that's just more of like the hammy writing, but I definitely, I definitely know that it seems like she's incredibly intense at times, but you could say the same thing for Kylo Ren. I mean, he was just angsty as as anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Um, we ended up liking him. I didn't at least. Yeah. How about in the um, first episode, I thought was really interesting that there was another Jedi on Tatooine. Yeah, but they really made quick work of him. Um, Quick work of him. He disappointingly quick work of him. He seemed like he served as more of a plot device mm-hmm. to keep the story moving more so because he crash landed on Tatooine. Like the Jedi are all in hiding. And of course he tries to get a message out to Obi-Wan and his death eventually spurs Obi-Wan to get his feet moving instead of sulking, working a nine to five job and living in a cave, buying his uh, stuff back from the Jawas that stole it already. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do want to say also one thing I really appreciated about these first two episodes is that I've never been a fan of the trope that kind of goes, I was a superhero, but my powers had too big of an effect on the people around me. You know, now I'm just going to be a regular citizen, regular person. It happened in Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. It, it's happened in uh, Superman 2. I think it happened in one of the Iron Man movies or something. Um, I I just, I don't like it when that happens. And so I was kind of worried that Obi-Wan cutting himself off from the force was going to be something like Luke, what they did to Luke in The Last Jedi. Yeah. But I'm pleasantly, I'm pleasantly uh, surprised to say that it worked mostly here. 
there were some elements where I thought, oh my goodness, do not do to Obi-Wan what you did to Luke, because mm -hmm. I will have to check out completely and then, you know, give up Star Wars, although I could never give up Star Wars. But there was that. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to make mention of too. Oh, first of all, I just want to say, Noah, I really appreciate the fact that you just used the word trope, because I think that makes at least seven episodes in a row where you, you used the word trope. Um, so oh, that's lots uh, of trips. Could you just keep keep going every episode? Because maybe that's our, my our listeners will not recognize our podcast if you don't use the word trope. <laughs> okay, maybe that's my trope on the podcast. <laughs> I think it is your trope. Yeah, I don't have enough. a trope yet. No, mine is uh, I, I like short movies and um, you know other things like. As we all know, as I've said before, or I don't know, yeah. <laughs> or repeating what I just said to you, basically. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, yeah, I see how this goes. Okay, that's no, a trope. No. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving on. Uh, I'll, I'll be def I'll definitely be more cognizant of that. Um, I also appreciated how this was kind of like a bit of like a heartbreaking thing for me when Obi Wan was calling out to Qui Gon. He was saying, you know, Master, like Master, are you there? And he couldn't hear anything because, you know, he still has this innate connection to the Jedi and who he was for so long, but he can't communicate with Qui-Gon because he's um, intentionally cut himself off um, in that way. So I, I thought that was kind of like a sad little thing there. And that's why I was worried about what I was talking about before, but it's working so far. Yeah. And I was pleased that we got the, we got Jimmy Smith's the real Bale Organa. Yeah. You so. know, I, I really appreciated that Jimmy Smith's had a good enough, he wasn't in there too much, but nope. he was he was there enough to give you a little bit more depth to Bail Organa's character because he oh, seemed like a, a nice good connection guy. to the to the episodes, you know, to the first, first trilogy. Yeah, for sure. And I will say Jimmy Smith looks much older than he did in uh, 2005, but that was 17 years ago. Yeah. So. so do you, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any facial hair back then. But... <laughs> and you had hair back then. But uh, yeah, uh, so that was that, that was a neat little that's such uh, a trope. <laughs> that was a neat little thing that they had going on there um but let's dive in a little bit more into episode two okay. since we talked about sort of like framing the groundwork that was brought up in episode one what did you and did you not like about the second episode and i think you enjoyed this one better than the first it kind of you know brought things together a little bit more or sort of pushed things forward uh what would you what would you say towards this one um, I really, uh, there were the things I liked, um, uh, I've forgotten the actor's name and I've, I had it pulled up here, but the guy who is a, a bit of a magician playing a Jedi. Oh yeah. He doesn't have a specific name, but it's, uh, Kamel Nanjiani. He's, yeah. uh, he's also in, um, the Eternals and he was yeah. in the big sick and I think Silicon Valley. Right. He's been in several things. I couldn't watch the Eternals. It was just awful. But anyway, um, I thought that was a nice, uh, a nice piece of the script in that they had this guy who was sort of portraying or pretending he was a Jedi, but not really a Jedi. Um, yeah. That I was... also thought it was a little unusual that he helped Obi-Wan at that point in the second episode, but I appreciated the fact that he did because we needed an ally at that point in time. Yeah. I was kind of afraid he would be a bit of a comic relief character, yeah. be a little too silly. Cause at times I didn't really know what he was doing with his voice and he was just kind of being this, goofy over the top sort of guy but yeah. um i can appreciate that obi-wan called him out for being a scoundrel and since he met a real jedi he just thought to himself well maybe this is my chance to make mm -hmm. amends even though i will still probably scam people so yeah. you know that was yeah. that was fair enough i thought that character was valuable I, the thing i didn't like about the second episode was i thought the rooftop chase 
um, of Leia, uh, Obi-Wan chasing Leia way too long. So I think this is where people find a lot of major gripes for this episode, because first of all, (laughs) it annoyed me to no end that they were under the cover of darkness and Leia just throws all caution to the wind and runs away and Obi-Wan can't catch her. She's a small child. And I mean, he's, you know, a man who could probably, you know, get to her and it just lasts way too long. But there's this thing that a couple people pointed out to me. We're on the, they're on the rooftop mm-hmm. and Reva, the third sister, sees yep. gunfire. Mm-hmm. And so she makes her way over. Right. You think she'd get there pretty quick, mm-hmm. but apparently not. And he's fighting those two bounty hunters. And I think he hits one. But another one is continuously firing at him. Yes. And then Leia falls off the side of the building and the firing on that side stops. So I guess we're I guess we're not shown it on screen, but he uh, takes down the other bounty hunter and then he safely lowers her to the floor. But as soon as she lands on the floor, he's right around the corner. And he, uh, I noticed that too. All of a sudden he he had caught up with her and I thought, oh, oh that was yeah, I'm like Okay, maybe uh, maybe a little bit of uh, editing magic could have made things more smoothly done there. Uh-huh. And then Reva just seems to be as obsessive as she is about finding him, two steps behind him at all times. At all and, times. Yeah. Um, but which leads me into one last thing that mm-hmm. I forgot about. I did not know that Obi-Wan wasn't aware that Anakin was alive same yeah and which was a bit of a revelation here yeah not just for him but for me i probably knew that but it stands to reason that he thought he left anakin for dead on mustafar i mean because i mean he left him in a pretty bad state right you have the high ground i mean you know there's no coming back from that but um it it was interesting to me that he was hiding behind that cargo container and she's essentially taunting him wanting him to come out and saying that Anakin is alive and his face was just I, I it just kind of blew me away because I was like oh my gosh I I, I didn't know that I forgot about that we so, knew that he was alive but we didn't realize that Obi-Wan exactly. didn't know he was alive so I can only imagine you know how that would feel to him and how that changes things for him and I think that's going to be a catalyst brothers exactly exactly I um I think that's going to be a real catalyst for him being more in tune with the force again and taking his role as a protector for both Luke and Leia a lot more seriously, I suppose, or hands-on um, much to uh, Owen's uh, Owen Lars's chagrin uh, yep. for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was interesting to see that because I just didn't know, or maybe I did, but in the back of my mind, I just blocked that out. So that was an interesting reveal there. I didn't realize it either. Um yeah, I thought. I think fundamentally, the last thing I think I'll say about this overall before I give my my number of Z's is what I found interesting about this is we all know that while Luke is growing up, Obi Wan was sort of in the shadows. Mm-hmm. It it certainly never occurred to me that he was going to save Leia. He was going to leave Tatooine and go save Leia and be integral in her, in her life as well. Right, and. So- that might be a little bit of retconning to make the story more cohesive, but I think, I think that that was never really part of the plan for him to go over to Alderaan because I think he knew that Leia would be in better hands and a 
peaceful world mm-hmm. with a very good upbringing and yeah. i mean we've seen so much of tatooine and star wars it is a dangerous place for sure it is. so it is. and i don't yeah and that's also interesting because leia is now in canon said to be force sensitive in the oh. later installments oh. and that was never insinuated in uh, the original trilogy i suppose the original thinking for it was that luke would be the force sensitive one and leia would not be so obi-wan had to keep tabs over luke because he wanted to make sure that he wouldn't fall to the dark side with whatever talents he had as the offspring of the chosen one right so yeah um one last thing for me is i don't like that the grand inquisitor died so quickly no, so quickly at, before the end of episode two what is that i mean come on it's just it's it's one of those things where not it's very like, grand exactly and it's in the title yeah just like <laughs> just like captain phasma uh when they introduced introduce her as a character in uh the last three you know sequel trilogy movies she it looked like she was going to be a huge force just um that would be hard to triumph over but i mean she was just done so dirty she just got bonked on the head or thrown in a trash compactor just i mean they made quick work of her and this is the grand inquisitor and you'd think sith after thousands of years would kind of know that the people who are working alongside them would betray them at a moment's notice. But it's just crazy to me because, I mean, he had that crazy spinning lightsaber. He did an execution. He seemed like there was more to tell with his story. So a bit of a shame that he's gone so soon. But then again, that might make way for something way better going forward. We're not sure. Often, oftentimes, I, I do find myself questioning, okay, so uh, a Jedi, whether you are good or bad, um, you you can sense what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. So therefore, why is it that the Grand Inquisitor couldn't sense that third sister uh, was, you know, mm-hmm. going to finish him off? But you could it, also make the argument that how did the Jedi not know that Palpatine was just in hiding like that for the longest amount of time? But don't say anything bad about the Rise of Skywalker. I love that movie, Noah. Oh no, I mean about uh, before. Oh the, yeah, the Jedi that um that he was actually palpatine and not just yeah but perhaps he was so good at covering his tracks i mean we'd probably have to do some level of mental gymnastics and reading into the lore to actually explain that but um i'm sure there's a halfway decent reason of course there Um, is so how many z's would you give it noah um i would give it on a one to five z scale yes all right. Um, probably Scale has not changed. Probably four. I would. Yeah, I think that translates to what I would score it on a one to ten range. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably give it a four, maybe even a four and a half. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know what? It's early on. I'll go with four. Yeah, definitely. So this is a vast improvement on the films that we have watched in the last few weeks. Just... Oh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're telling me it's just nice to see Star Wars. It is nice to see Star in Wars. Fine form Star again. Wars. What's yeah, happening? it's just nice to see Star Wars in fine form again. Yeah, and it's it also feels... really, really, really nice to see Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah, and then that scene uh, in the temple in the very beginning oh, where they fight the clones. That was cool. That oh, was so cool. That was, that was well done. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but overall, worth watching if you're a Star Wars fan by any stretch of the worth imagination. Worth watching if you're not a Star Wars fan. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, this is something that I feel like a lot of people could get into, but obviously it's going to resonate more if you are like us and uh, you've been kind of waiting on this for a long time. But yeah, I'm pleasantly, uh, I'm very happy to say that uh, it has met expectations and I look forward to seeing where it goes. Me too. So what are the new episodes drop Wednesday or Friday? I thought they were Fridays, but I thought somebody said Wednesday. I think they're going to be Wednesdays from now on, but I I think think they planned May 27th to be Star Wars Day. And they also announced a whole slew of a new shows. Slew of new shows. And that's just going to be my check it out. So we'll just go into that real quick. Okay. Um, they're doing the Andor uh, TV series, which he was a character, I believe, in the sequel trilogy. I can't remember exactly uh, what his significance was, but this one has a cool cinematic looking feel uh, because they're shooting more on location than relying entirely on CGI. That will come out later this year. The Bad Batch season two, which is animated in the style of the Clone Wars, is coming out later this year. Season two or season three of The Mandalorian is coming out next, yeah, next year. Mm-hmm. And they have one children's show and development, I believe. Two or three Star Wars video games coming out, and um, and the Ahsoka, Ahsoka show, Ahsoka and Lando um so lando is lando show i missed that okay a lando show is in development i truly hope they use donald glover because i think he deserves another run at that and um uh the ahsoka show should be interesting i believe was it rosario dawson who is is. uh, who plays her and she was she was good uh, in that role yeah Uh, but i mean there's probably eight to twelve new series that are at least being in development have been announced or are almost completed ready to be released so lots of fun for Star Wars fans, and you can uh, check all that online. Yep. All right, my check it out is going to be something that Noah has no interest in but should. And I'm just going to tell you, it is Top Gun Maverick. So nice. your mom and I and our friends Chris and Donna went to see it. And I didn't love the first Top Gun in 1986, but I'm here to tell you, I love this movie. It was great. And you got to hand it to Tom Cruise, whether or not you think he's crazy as a, as a, a human being. He is probably the last of the movie stars and he gives every film he's in everything he has and you got to hand it to him for that so this is a good film it's a great film actually um and i highly recommend it so i would really love for you to see it so we could actually talk about it on the pod but since that's very unlikely Mm -hmm. i'm just going to say top gun maverick check it out fair enough yeah uh you can feel how you feel about Tom Cruise. And, uh, you know, I definitely have some reservations here and there sometimes. But, you know, that man makes truly fine cinema. And I will be first in line for his new Mission Impossible movie. So you got two of them coming. Part one and two. Yeah. Dead reckoning. <laughs> We're doing that again. Uh, yeah. But <clears throat> should be cool. I mean, he does all of his own stunts for the most part. And, um, I mean, he's made some of the best action movies of the past yes. ever. So, yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, with that, thank you very much for listening to another episode. We're always pleased to talk about Star Wars, but we will be moving into sequel month this June. And what have we decided on for our first movie? Uh, I thought it was um, Rollerball or Thunderball? Thunderball. Thunderball. I was more more speaking towards the audience not knowing uh, and and you announcing it. But uh, now that we had that underwhelming little segment there, uh, it will be Thunderball. You know what that is, Noah? It's a trope. (laughs) all right um yeah we'll be uh watching thunderball 
which I believe is the second or third James Bond movie, and it came out in 1965, if I'm not mistaken. So that is our film to watch, our homework for this weekend, so we can discuss it between now and next Wednesday. Right. We've seen a decent amount of Bond, but we have both not seen this movie. Right. Um, so we're hoping to uh, do that with the ones coming up. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. And until then, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk.